It's, it's important to find a set of characters that um, mainly I like. If I'm filming someone I think is a dick, then likelihood is that everyone else is going to think they're a dick. And welcome to this month's edition of On Assignment. I'm Abby Wright, here with my colleague, Lisa Cohen. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Abby. As you might be able to tell from the tease, our listeners are in for a frank, no-holds-barred conversation today. But first, we have some business to do. Here we are in our fifth season of this On Assignment podcast, and we're going to celebrate with a special giveaway. That's right. We have some merch. Because what is a podcast without a tote bag? Nothing, we say, so we decided to rectify that. And we're going to tell you more about that later on after today's episode, how you can score your very own on-assignment tote bag. But let's just say right from the outset, I know one person who's definitely getting one, and that is my dad. Yep. He's our number one fan. He is. Hello, Dad. (laughs) And now to the podcast, uh, which recaps a recent conversation, Lisa, that you had following one of our Film Friday screenings. As we've talked about before on this podcast, this season we're spotlighting the 2018 DuPont Columbia Award winners. And today we'll hear from one of them. It was a rollicking conversation, I will say. Uh, We had James Bumel here who directed Exodus, and he shoots from the hip. He was talking about his frontline documentary about several refugees from around the world who made their way to Europe. Hassan Akkad was here, too. He's the Syrian refugee who James followed in the film. But Hassan also captured a lot of his quite extraordinary journey with his own GoPro camera and cell phone. Back in Syria, Hassan was an English teacher, which explains why his English is so incredible, and also a photographer. Now he actually works with James. He was a researcher on their just-released follow-up, Exodus, The Journey Continues. One funny, amazing coincidence that you'll hear about in the Q&A, his escape actually involved one of our own J-School students before she was a student here, and she was in the audience that night. You'll hear more about that later. This was a pretty lively conversation, Lisa, and just a heads up for listeners, there is some profanity. So here's an edited version of my conversation with Exodus director James Blumel and Hassan Akkad. I'm just going to read to you a couple of comments from the judges at the DuPont uh, about this work, this work of art. Um, They said that Exodus, true to its name, feels biblical. It is emotional, sweeping in scope, yet intimate, well-produced, well-edited. It is riveting and epic. So... Very nice. Yeah. And it really, I mean, all of those things and more. Um, So can we start um, kind of with the timeline? There's so many moving parts to this film, and I'm I'm just sort of how long it took you to film it, how it started, how Frontline was involved in it, and then, you know, eventually tell us how Hassan got into it. Because he came along as you had already already done some of the, the filming, right? And then sort of came across Hassan. We met Hassan in, in in Calais, which is at the end, pretty much the end of his journey. You know, there's only one more bit to go, and that's just the the channel. It's, it's a bugger. You know, it's hard to hard to cross. So um, we were explaining the, the film we were trying to make, and um, he said, "He said I already have all that footage. <laughs> you are going to love what I have to show you." <laughs> 
It was funny when, when they explained, they were like, this, so this is a film about people filming their journeys. And I was like, yeah, I've already done that. <laughs> we got like four hours of rushes of that. Yeah. The filming, the editing, all, all combined to about 50 months. Front, Frontline were involved early on <laughs> uh, uh, and, and were very useful. I, I, yeah, you, know, you couldn't make it without them. It's, mm-hmm. you, know, you need the money. Right. So, so um, they were providing the money? Partially. Some of the money. Yes, yeah, some of the money. But, but making a film like Exodus is, is, is incredibly expensive. It's just, it's just an expensive film. So we couldn't, we couldn't have done it without co-pro money. Mm-hmm. The idea of having people film themselves, how did that come about? It came about because it's, it's how else are you going to film this? It's, very, it's, it's, it's really difficult to get a, a, a camera into a lot of these situations. I mean, Hassan was, was negotiating with, with, with smugglers going on, onto a boat. Uh, if he's got a, a, a film crew behind him, it's not going to work. You know, I'm, I'm going to impede his progress. Right, there's that moment with Ahmad where he says, turn the camera off. Turn yeah, the camera yeah, off. And, uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's not going to do any, any, any favours to turn up to a smuggler with the BBC behind you. So much of the, the, the story is potentially sort of off camera, um, but it's gettable with mobile phone technology. Uh, I mean, Hassan was already doing that before we met him. Uh, lots of people are already doing that. Uh, yes, we provided some people with the, with, with, with the cameras, but this stuff was being filmed. It was just a matter of, th- this is the way to get that sort of privileged access. And it, it's, it's massively, I think, important to see it. I mean, it's hugely powerful, of course, uh, but, it, but it aids understanding, it aids empathy. It, it, it's, it's, it's necessary. What's the true meaning of documentary? You are actually documenting what's happening. It's, uh, it's remarkable footage. And... So it was a combination of you filming and people filming themselves. And so sometimes in the film, as we were watching it, I found myself trying to figure out which was which. Usually what happens is that there's a reason to swap to, we call it UGC, user-generated content. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a sort of twatty word, but that's what it is. And the, t- the time, the time we, 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 we swap to that is because there's a need for it. Uh, normally, it's traditional documentary filmmaking, you know, we are following people. Um, but as soon as they cross over into a realm where we can't follow, where they're dealing with smugglers, where our presence will impede their progress, then, then that's where the UGC comes into, in, in, into place. Um, and so was that a logistical nightmare? It sounds like it probably was, to be saying goodbye and then sort of finding people, racing to catch up with them. Yeah, and it, it, it is a logistical nightmare. It's... it's for, for, for one thing, SIM cards don't work across borders. Yeah. Like, they just don't. Like, you cross the border? You cross the border and your, your SIM doesn't work again. So your, your, your SIM that you bought in Greece doesn't work in Macedonia. So you buy them another one in Macedonia, it doesn't work in Serbia. You go from Serbia to Hungary, it doesn't work again. So, you know, this is, this is your four SIMs now. How do you keep contact with people when their SIMs don't work? It's frustrating. And you're, and you're, and you're also dealing with people that have got no geography of Europe. So... I'm in, the, I'm, in, I'm in a hire car, <laughs> like a Fiat or something, and I was trying to keep up with Sadiq that is just bombing through Germany in a bus. I go, look, Sadiq, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> he didn't seem to know where know. He, a lot so of the time Kabul, where he was. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know Germany. He's looking out the window going, um, I can see some trees. It's not helping Sadiq. <laughs> and then he sees a sign, to, 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 you know, he sees a sign, Berlin. And he goes, I think, I think we're headed to Berlin. So fine, fine, we're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna hot-foot it to Berlin. And we do. From Munich to Berlin, it's a fucking long drive. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and I'm, I'm nearly at Berlin. I'm, I'm on the outskirts of Berlin. Sadiq phones. I'm here. Where are you? Dresden. <laughs> like Dresden is like, like nowhere near Berlin. It's like back towards Prague. Fuck's sake. Yeah, it was, it was. Um, so Hassan, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you, you talk in the film a little bit about your background. Very harrowing stories in Syria. And you meet up with them in Calais. Yeah. So give us a sort of a thumbnail sketch of um, what um, happened in between. Um, so I mean, I mean, my my story isn't unique at all because it's similar to millions of Syrians. I've 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 lived the the revolution which turned into a civil war firsthand. Got into a lot of trouble for my activism. Got thrown in prison twice, and um, and then and then and then I had to leave because I just couldn't feel safe anymore. Uh, and when I left, uh, millions of Syrians stayed in the Syria region because we thought it's going to be over soon. We'll go back. We'll be sorted. And then, uh, literally, like everyone else, I was I was watching footage on the news of people going on boats. And I was like, oh, well, I'll go I'll go on a boat then, because it's because it, 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 back then it seemed like it was the only option to get into Europe. So I jumped on a boat. But before I did all of that, I used to do when I was a kid. I was this annoying kid who used to film all the time and take pictures. I used to like to do like a traveling blocks. I, I went to Nepal once and I used to film myself. Here I am with, at the monkey temple. So I was like, why don't I film this? Because it's gonna, this is like a, this is gonna be a life-changing experience. And I noticed that there was so much ignorance on, on social media. People were questioning why Syrians have smartphones, uh, why why do they have designer bags? So there was a lot of ignorance. So I, was, I, I said, my my only way of competing this is to film it and to tell the story. So you were trying to set the record straight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wanted to, people to walk in my footsteps. I wanted people to know what it's like to to, to flee a war-torn country and seek refuge in Europe. Did you have at that point any thought that this was going to oh, absolutely turn not. into a film? No, 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 not at all. No way. I, I mean, I, I was going to put it on YouTube. That was it. And, okay. Um, and then I do, I do I do the journey. I do the crossing. We sink. Uh, well, we get picked up by the Turkish Coast Guards. Then I do the crossing again. But do you know how I got rescued, by the way? This is going to be really surreal. Okay. <laughs> so get this. I, was, I get on the boat, right? And I, it's amazing how technology has worked out in the refugee crisis. And I go on WhatsApp. And my friend here, Hibad Lewati, who goes to, 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 oh, who, yeah. who goes to Colombia, and, and I'm like, I messaged her on WhatsApp, and I'm like, listen, I just got on a boat. And she, she had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I just got on a boat. It's overcrowded. I think we're going to sink. Anyways, I'm going to drop you a pin if we sink, and you call the Coast Guards. And then I drop a pin on WhatsApp. Is he serious? I swear to God. Yeah. So I drop a pin on WhatsApp, and I was like, I, I think we're sinking. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was quite obvious that we were sinking because we were in like water, and then I so I mean, yeah, yeah it's there. <laughs> and then she f- and I drop a pin, and she phones the coast guards, and then they show up the, to, to to pick us up. <laughs> and and then I do, yeah, I, I carry on doing the journey, the whole crossing, and I uh, the whole journey, and I documenting every single bit of it, and I really got into it. I, I was like. It's a lot of people also th- thought that I wasn't actually a genuine refugee, like a filmmaker pretending to be a refugee just to document things. And on the second crossing, I remember when, when, when we got attacked and we had to swim, I called the Greek Coast Guards, and I, because I watched a lot of American films, I was like, mayday, mayday. <laughs> and there was a... There was a there was because I watched Armageddon, and that's what you do when you when you want to. Okay. So I, I I did I got into that. I, it, it protected me filming. I felt like a filmmaker, not like a refugee. And then I do the whole I, I do the whole journey through ten countries through Europe, which was quite easy back then. The, over, the borders were open. 
And then I meet up with James in Calais, and he, as he told you, he explained the Exodus, and I was like, I would love to be involved. Yeah. And were were you the person he met in Calais, or was it part of your crew, or you were the crew? I, I met a part of the crew. I met uh, Daisy Squires, who was an a, another AP working on Exodus. And I remember, <laughs> I remember she said, so the director is coming to film you. I remember the first time I met James, he comes with, a cam- with his camera and he starts filming. And I was like, you didn't, you didn't take my permission to film. And then he literally says, fuck off. That was the, <laughs> that was the first thing that Students, James told to me. don't listen yeah. to this. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? You were quite, you, you were quite mean. And I was like, well, and I was like, I, I was like, what do you mean? I, 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 I thought you could take it. Yeah. <laughs> but that, but that was, I, it was fine, Sancho. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine now. But you never apologized. Did I? I okay. Do you want me to apologize? Yes, please. <laughs> I'm so sorry I it's told fine. you. <laughs> anyway. There you have it. Here's the thing. I mean, um, trying to, I, I always try to take it humorously now, but when you are depressed, and that's something that you will see in the second exodus, when you are in a, in a state where you are really depressed and you're out of solutions, you have to t- take desperate measures. Uh, you, we wouldn't have put our lives in danger on overcrowded boats and, 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 and hidden lorries. Literally hidden lorries for like 12 hours trying to get to, 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 to England or like swam. It was the only way in. So that's why I risked my life to do this. Can I, I want to ask you a little bit about the boat scene. Yeah. Because I've, I mean, it's extraordinary. And I, you had a GoPro in the boat? Yeah, I had, I, had, I had a GoPro, I had an iPhone, and I had a power bank and a memory stick, and, and like another memory card. And what, why were you in the water? Just because... So, right, so we were 60, 63 people on the boat, 13 ch- children. And then, and then because it was so overcrowded, the water, water started seeping into the, the boat. And then we, uh, uh, I've told everyone to throw their bags away. And then the, the engine got cut off and the, the boat stopped. And I was terrified. You were and just I, pushing, you were submerging yeah, it under the it water. it was submerging underwater. And I was terrified because there were, there were so many children and so many women. And there was a pregnant woman who had a miscarriage in front of us. And I was like, we need, I mean, what do we do? Like, I have to do something. So I, I, that's when we got the idea of jumping. Like, I was like, whoever can, like, if, you, if you're not afraid of water, just jump. Give the other guys some room to pour the water right. out. And that's when they started pouring the water out. And I, I remember that, and I swear to God, in my mind, I'm like, uh, a, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about Hiba, uh, whether she called the Coast Guards or not. B, I'm worried about if, if we're going to get rescued. And then when I, we got in the water, my, my GoPro was in my pocket. But then in my head, I was like, that would be a really good scene. So I take yeah. out my GoPro. I wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> you have the presence of mind to be yeah. like, I'm about to drown. Yeah, I'm, I'm now about, treading like, water. It's, it's, it's going to be like editorially, it would be a really good scene in my story. <laughs> Uh, uh, genuinely, that's what I thought. That's why I pick up. I pick up the camera because that's that wasn't filmed by me. That that scene. I know. Obviously. So my friend Ala, one of my really good friends, I take out the camera. And I was like, uh, and I, I switch it on. I give it to him. I was like, just film. And then he's like, he genuinely, he thought I was insane. He was like, what are you doing? Well, understandably so. But I, I, in my mind, I was like, I wasn't gonna die. I could swim. I'm. I'm so I was like, just I don't know, just film it. Just please, just fi- film. Because I can't film it now, you film. And I asked him to get some cutaways, but then he told me to like. It's <laughs> like a director's dream. Yeah. Can you tell the part about where you put all the? 
Oh yeah, so material. so so because I I knew I captured something very important. I mean, now the fact that I worked on Second Exodus, I know when you make good footage, you do data wrangling. You have to protect that footage. So my way of data wrangling is that I'm uh, I was so nervous that we're gonna get uh, searched by the Turkish Coast Guards. So I t- <laughs> and it's too much info, but that's what I did. I took the memory card out and I hid it up my bum. I. I <laughs> And, and and I had to do that. What you have to do to protect <laughs> your footage. Because everything I had filmed, right, it was on that memory card, and uh, I was searched, but I, I I rescued that footage. Thank you for having done that and for telling us about it, <laughs> James. Just so we understand the footage that you shot uh, with what? How do you pronounce his name? Elijah. Elijah. So how did you meet him, and how did that happen? Um, finding refugees is is pretty simple. Um, once they've left their country, because you know, they gather in places like Izmir and, and you can just go and talk to them. Finding refugees before they leave their home, especially from, from West Africa, it, it's much more difficult because it's illegal. Uh, they can get imprisoned. It's, it's something that no one advertises. The family can be very, very secret. Um, and it, it was a stumbling block. I, I, how do I meet someone who is going to become a refugee mm-hmm. so I can yeah. film the leaving home sequence? How do you do that? The, the easiest way after, after uh, qu- quite a long time of trying and failing um, was, to, was, was to go through a smuggler. Go by the smuggler, find someone that, that's already paid up and they can introduce you to these are the people on my books and out of those people on the books maybe a few of them want to meet and maybe one of them, Elijah, was, was someone that I thought I could work with. And how receptive is a smuggler to doing something like that? He's in the film. He's he's fine. Uh, he's you know, it's not it's not it's not regarded as, as as human trafficking at that end. It's regarded more as a travel agent. So it's it doesn't have it doesn't have the connotations that, that we have with the word. And in the scene where we find out that Elijah's been taken hostage and they're demanding a ransom for him. And there's a discussion back home with his family. You, had you gone back to his family's home? when you? How did the timeline work with that? Because it seemed like you were in Tripoli with him, no? Or was someone else filming that? I, I, I couldn't go into Tripoli. I, I can go into Tripoli, but I can't go, I can't, I can't go to where the smugglers are. You know, I'm, it's I, really I, difficult I, to get access to Libya. I'll be kidnapped. So, so who was filming there? A Libyan. I see. You know, someone, someone that doesn't have a kidnap risk. Yeah. Elijah is worth like a thousand bucks. I, I, I'm, I'm worth three million. You know, I'm, I'm worth six million. It's, 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 I'm, I'm worth serious money. So I, I can't go there and just sort of knock on the door and say, do you mind if I film that guy there? And then you also had someone filming with his family. No, I was filming with the family. You there's were no, there's no kidnap risk for me in, in, in Gambia. I can go to Gambia. I can go to, I can go to Niger. As long as I'm not very long in Niger, I can go to Niger. It's all, it's all about sort of working out, uh, you know, the, the kidnap risk is, is negated by, you know, how long are you going to be in, in, in a certain place. With Niger, you can be three or four days. Uh, with Libya, in, in the places where, where we were, it was not even worth thinking about. And so when he is kidnapped in Tripoli, you then travel to Gambia t- to see what was going on with his family, or were you already there? I, no, I, I heard he was kidnapped, and I, and I reacted, and I went straight there. And I, I was there in time for the negotiation that you saw. And they let you film. There was no discussion about whether or not this was off limits? We, we'd, we, we'd already had that conversation when I filmed him leaving. Um, so 
yeah, yeah, that, that, that wasn't really... Didn't change? No. Interesting. That was just an, an amazing story, and you chose to tell people stories who weren't just refugees from conflict zones. It was also the story of people who were leaving places because of economics. And was that something that was very deliberate? Does that feel like an important thing for you to do, or did it just seem to shake I, out I, that way? I, I, I think so. It's, it, it, would, it would be... It would be misleading to suggest that there was, a, a, you know, the refugee crisis within within Europe was solely due to to, to people from Syria. That there's there's economic reasons, and those reasons are very understandable and very real. Um, it was important to, to 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 put that in the film. You talked um, in another interview about the importance of casting, which is something that um, we talk about with our students a lot when there's some documentary students in the room, and how important it is to find people who the audience can relate to and that can create empathy. Can you talk a little bit about that? How do you do that? (laughs) It's, it's, it's It's an important process. I put a lot of time into trying to get the correct cast it's it's a it's a it's a, it seems it's an a, odd it's, thing. It's, a, it's an odd word. Yeah. But but it, it's it's important to to define a set of characters that 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 um, mainly I like. You know, if I if I like them and I enjoy hanging out with them, then I figure well everyone else is going to like them. If I'm filming someone I think is a is a dick, then then likelihood is that everyone else is going to think they're a dick. So what's the point of doing and that? Someone you that you find someone that you like. Someone that you think is a dick is not going to be a good character. Well, I don't think it can be if I'm filming them. Do you know what I mean? There won't be that sort of live connection. I mean, I, I, I met sort of lots of people that, that, that all have valid stories, but, but if it's got to be me that's filming them, then there's got to be something that I connect with. And if I connect with them, then I can probably film that and, and that will come through. If I don't have that, I think we're, we're, that, that's where you miscast, I think. Hmm. And you get involved with your characters your subjects you feel a relationship with them yeah yeah do you ever feel an impulse to tread the line cross over the line to be in a position where you could really help them i mean it wouldn't be that hard and that would change your story or that wouldn't necessarily be true to the narrative how could i help them um i could i could smuggle them across uh, you know okay. i'm not going to do that <laughs> uh and and um, there was there was a story of this German filmmaker who followed a family from Afghanistan to Germany, yeah. and then he he got in, into trouble. He he went to he went to court because he he literally for the final leg of the journey he paid for their train tickets and then he ended up he got done for it. Yeah, I mean, working on the second film, there's a lot of rules that you have to to, to go by. Is that you you can definitely you can buy them a bottle of water, you can buy them lunch, breakfast, and but there are so many things that you can't do. You get asked to, to, to do it, but you can't. You, you get in trouble. You know, if you, and if you facilitate someone's hardship because you feel empathy for them, then you're undermining what you're there to do also. I mean, that's just... So, yes, there's a, there's a difference between working and... <laughs> working and caring. Uh, but uh, I, mean, but I, I think there are people here, the students certainly, who are making, who are making their documentaries or who, who plan to go into this, that they struggle with this. It's, you know, uh, someone who's cold on the walk and I have a $400 parka that I could give them and then they would be warm. And, 
or I have money to put them up at a hotel, or I have, you know, I mean, you couldn't smuggle them, but something like that. And do, do you ever feel conflicted about it? Is it ever something that you struggle with? Yeah, constantly. If I, if we, if we had rescued Israha from the rain, and you never saw that scene, I would have temporarily helped them. Um, you're helping one person then. In a way, your job is bigger than, than, than the one relationship that you have. And that, and that, and that is a conflict. And that, of course, that eats you up. And, and guilt worms its way in. And, and, and yeah, that's something you, you live with and, and, and cope with. Um, sometimes it's very difficult. There's, there's certain occasions where it's Elijah being kidnapped was a very hard time for me. Okay, that's, a, that's an interesting example. Because what, you felt like you could have paid the money? Or you felt in some way to blame for some of it? Or if it yeah, all, all those things. Yes, you can pay the money. You can um, feel responsible. Would he have been kidnapped without... You know, uh, I, met, I met him through a smuggler. Does that smuggler not know the smuggler in Libya? Is there not some connection uh, and, and communication there saying that, listen, take that guy, the BBC are on him, you want to get some money for that. All this, all this stuff goes through your head. Right. Am I responsible for his situation right now? Can I help his situation right now? Yes, I can help his situation right now. Am I allowed to officially? Absolutely not. Can I do it unofficially? Did you? <laughs> he didn't, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I will happily talk to any student about this yeah. off the record. Okay. But yeah. I can't, I, I'm not going to do it on the record. Okay. <laughs> Had to ask. Uh, one thing that I'm really struck Fuck it. You have a moral, you have, you have your own moral line. Yes. Right. And, and, and you have an official moral line. And you've got to work out where you are on that. You know, here's, 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 here's what you're allowed to do. Here's what you think you should do. Work it out. <laughs> I mean, there's a very classic example of it that's happened in this country that I can remember at least a few times where somebody sets themselves on fire and to bring attention to themselves and the cameramen roll the cameras and they're rolling and they're rolling and like 20 seconds in, someone runs over and puts the person out and there's an uproar because how could, that, how could the cameraman have callously kept filming? Then there's another uproar. You know, why did they interfere with the story? So it's... These are these conflicting, very, very important yeah, there are no values. Rules. There are no rules. You have to work it out yourself. Yeah. You have to live with the decision you make. So it's your, that, that, that's your moral line where you, where, where you work out yourself where your thing is. And then stick with it. Then you're fine. Okay. Another question about getting people who you give cameras to. You, get, you actually gave cell phones to some people, right? Yeah, to some people. Yeah. You're not the one filming. They're the ones filming. They're the ones basically who have some kind of editorial control over what is being filmed and what's not being filmed at that point, right? Yeah. Is that, is that something that you struggle with at all, that you have sort of handed off the choices that are going to be made to the subjects? Well, not really. I'm, I'm, just, saying, I'm just saying, listen, if you're in, in a situation which I can't follow you in and, you, and you're brave enough to film and you think it's safe enough to film then film. That must have been extraordinary to meet up with somebody who not only was eager to do it, but had already done it and had all this footage that he wanted to, to share with the world. It was a good day. <laughs> <laughs> why? I, I understand a little bit about why you were constantly filming. Did you ever say, I don't want to film that? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, it, 
Aside from the horrors of, of doing the journey itself, there was quite an element of excitement, to be honest. Because, I mean, how often do you get to, like, to, to, to do this? You only do it once. But when I got to Calais and I was, and, uh, I was, I was depressed, I was, I, was, I, was, I was quite pissed off at the world, and I, I, that's when I stopped. But you filmed during some moments that were very dangerous, no? Yeah. The most dangerous one was when we filmed the uh, when when we were in the back of a van crossing uh, Hungary and mass, uh, Serbia and Hungary to Vienna. The 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 the, the driver was drunk and we were the, all the all the smugglers had uh, AK-47s and we were we were running through a Hungarian wood and I remember my cousin also like looking at me was like I hope you're not filming but I was like secretly holding the camera here and then just filming it. I got I got a rush. I mean, out of it. I genuinely I know I enjoy, I enjoyed it. It was it was it was it was amazing. And if you had been caught, I would I would have been in trouble. Uh, <laughs> but it, again, it depends on on the person if you have that mindset or not. I I I got thrown in prison and my I got tortured because of filming protests. So I've always I I don't, I don't care. I mean, if I got caught, yeah, I mean, uh, that's it. And what about other people? And this is for, I guess, for both of you. But y you know, the idea that you're filming in a situation where yeah, people you're putting did. other people at risk. Yeah, people did. A lot of people questioned what I was doing, and I would say I'm filming my journey. So a lot of people, understandably, yes, someone doesn't want to get filmed. You don't film them. And people have genuine reasons for not being filmed because some people who fled Afghanistan, for example, their family lives still live in Taliban-held territories, and they don't want to be on the BBC. Yes, of course, yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna give them trouble for not not, not wanting to be on in your in your film. Would you turn off the cameras if someone says? A thousand yes. percent, yeah, 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 immediately, yeah, yeah. Lucky for us, Hassan was able to keep his camera rolling throughout his unbelievable ordeal. Um, I really can't recommend enough for everyone to check out this documentary online if you haven't seen it. It's available on the Frontline website. Just to see the scene of Hassan in, in that boat sinking into the Aegean Sea with dozens of other people is, you know, you really have to see it. Yeah, and to listen to him talk about the whole experience, I could have probably asked him about 20 more questions, both of them, really. But I knew that the students also had a lot of questions to ask. I guess more broadly, you know, a lot of your characters or everyone in the film exhibits a bit of naivete about what's coming and what to expect. I'm wondering if that's kind of what is still the case um, today and if that if you think that's an accurate portrayal of kind of overall. Yeah, it's, it's very different now. Uh, uh, a lot of there, there, a lot of in, independent grassroots have set up uh, 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 websites. Even they started handing people once they arrived to Greece um, uh, uh, USB memories, uh, like memory cards, with a lot of information on what everything that is going to go through the process. Uh, that is something that happened in the last year, of course. But when we did it, it was mainly through we relied on Facebook. We relied on what people who've done the journey themselves. What they would. There were so many Facebook groups. People would post um, details, smugglers' phone numbers, maps. Uh, well, which country like offers a fat, like you get fast tracked in, 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 for example, in England faster than Germany, but now it's 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 being it's it's way more organized and uh, established um, in Greece. Given the, the new Turkey EU deal, people have been on, in Greece six, around sixty thousand people in Greece now are stuck, and they rely heavily on information provided by volunteers. 
Um, James, I felt like each one of those stories could have been a really compelling two-hour documentary. Um, why did you want to tell so many stories in the piece? Okay. Yeah. It's easier to make a multi-narrative, uh, a multi-character narrative than it is a single-character narrative. You, you can deal with more options and, and more reasons. It's a vast sort of pool of, um, of, of stories to tell. And, and I think each one of those people has a, a unique reason to be in that film. Mm -hmm. There's no doubling up. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I think scale was needed. Um, scale, a, a mixture of scale and, 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 the, and the very sort of uh, personal. Mm -hmm. um, and for that reason, I guess that's why we did mm -hmm. it. And did you think about how to sort of weave them together? Because you have people coming from different places and that kind of thing. Like, how did you decide to structure it in the way that you did? How many versions were there? Yeah, <laughs> A few versions. Uh, um, <laughs> what, we, what we did was uh, you take every character and you, and you string them out like that with, with their stories. And work out where the good bits are <laughs> and where's the, where's the repetition and uh, that, that can also tell you who, who, to, who to drop uh, because they're doing the same job so you know you can't have that um, and, then, and then once you've worked out the linear stories you can work out the weave and how those stories play together in this film forward motion was essential mm -hmm. everything had to be moving at quite a pace it represented a reason to cut to another character and it, and it, it sort of you know, fed back into the need of the journey. Um, it's difficult, though. Hi, so thank you. Um, the question I would like to ask is, there's, there's a debate about economic uh, migrants versus people that are fleeing war-torn areas. And obviously, that's a very controversial issue. So how do you get around that? And then my second question was, um, has the situation improved in recent years? Uh, uh, maybe Hassan can speak to uh, that. Uh, the second bit of the question, it hasn't. It's gotten a lot worse now. Well, from our experience making the second exodus, they, they, uh, the borders in Europe are militarized and, 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 and fenced up now. Um, people get sent back to Turkey after the Turkey you do from Greece, which is illegal and inhumane on so many different levels. Did you have both of your questions answered? Um, the, the first question was more to do with... Economical versus, versus refugee, right? Oh, yeah. I, think, I think it's a really good question because a lot of people... It's, it's th I hate it because when the Syrians showed up, it's kind of like we stole the show. They are the genuine refugees. Everyone else is not. And that's, that's, that's very dangerous to say because one... I mean, pe pe there was so much news about Syria... But there wasn't there was any news about South Sudan or the Chad district or, or Eritrea, that the people go to indefinite um, uh, military service there. Politically, for example, um, it's because Afghanistan was messed up by the states or by, like, Iraq was messed up by the Anglo-American invasion. So that's why they don't acknowledge that it's still, it's still going through crisis. And they, that's why politically they still like, yeah, your country's safe enough, so we're going to send you back. Belgium, two weeks ago, sent Sudanese men to, to Sudan. Uh, fuck's sake, I mean, Sudan is, I mean, the president of Sudan is basically wanted for, for war crimes in Darfur, and they send them back there. So, yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's not good. What are, you, what are your hopes? Like, what would be, what would make you so happy, both of you, as 
documentary filmmakers. Because you lived this for three years, yeah. Exodus 1 and Exodus 2 of your life. What do you want to see? What, what's, what's your hopes? Understanding, kindness, and empathy. That's very nice. For people That's to watch your film and walk away and say, now I get what's in their heart. Now I see. You know, and it did happen. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of people came to, would come to us, to any of the contributors, and be like, you, you easily could be my neighbor or my, like, someone yeah. I could go to school with. Yeah. And I, I'd, I watched your story, which was very humanized by James's work in the first series. It, there's so much danger in just telling numbers. When you watch the news in 2015-16, uh, 2,000 refugees washed up on the shores of Greece. Numbers, 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 numbers. But there was no story. There was no face to, 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 to put on these numbers. And that's, that's, that's what happened. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for making this film and for keeping, keeping going. Thanks again to director James Blumel and Hassan Akkad. And I highly recommend going online to watch both Exodus and their new follow-up, Exodus, The Journey Continues. Okay, before we go today, let's get back to this tote bag. Here's what we're thinking, and we reserve the right to change these rules as we're making them up yep. <laughs> live right now. The first 10 people who tweet something about this episode of On Assignment will have a chance to win one of these very stylish and trend-setting tote bags. And as an extra bonus, we'll announce your name right here at the end of our next podcast. But what if no one tweets, Lisa? Oh, we have a new podcast producer, Sarah Wyman, and we'll just give her all the tote bags. And... You know, your dad, of course. Of course. My dad's got to get one. Next up on the podcast is a conversation with Natalia Andalava, who's reporting for Coda Story in partnership with the Reveal podcast from CIR about the treatment of gay people in Russia, won a 2018 DuPont. And then in subsequent episodes, we're also very excited about a panel we'll be doing about podcasting also. Daniel Alarcone, our own Daniel Alarcone, is moderating, and we will be talking to Zoe Chase and Michael Barbaro from The Daily. I'm looking forward to that. This episode of On Assignment was brought to you with the support of the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund and Columbia Journalism School. It was produced by Sarah Wyman with the assistance of our DuPont fellows, Katia Tubman and Ingrid Holmquist. Our music is by Dylan Nowak. Follow us on Twitter at On Assignment Pod and visit us at onassignmentpodcast.org. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back next month with another episode of On Assignment. <laughs>